Well, I recognise some of the faces out there. You were here last week. Really good. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. We're going to open up God's Word again and we're going to continue where we left off last week. And I hope, and I've been praying all week, I'm just going to move this, I've been praying all week that you will be blessed by this message from God's Word like I've been blessed by preparing it. So last week we, we got to Peter talking to or preaching to a crowd and we established that crowd were God's people, they were the Jews. And uh, where we left off was they had, they had listened to what Peter said, considered what he said, which was fact, and there was a realisation that they'd come to. The people came to grips with the, with the realisation that they had missed the arrival of the Messiah, not because they weren't there, because they weren't paying attention to what the prophets and the word of God indicated. The people of God rejected the anointed one, the Christ. The people of God there, in fact, realised they had crucified their Lord and King. That's where we got to last week. And they asked a question, didn't they? That's where we picked it up in the reading today. They asked a question. Brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? And and the reply from Peter, repent and be baptised, every one of you. And that's really important that we look at that little phrase. Because first of all, they had to repent. And we're going to look into that and explain that in great detail in just a moment. But then they had to be baptised. See, with repentance comes an action. It's always the case in the scriptures, always. And that's why we read the the passage in Jeremiah. There was, if they repented, God expected them to do something. And then there's that little phrase, every one of you, because repentance is individual, national and corporate. It has many applications. But here, in this little passage here this morning, it's individual. To the, to the people that were gathered, to the Jews, the people of God that were gathered and heard Peter, Peter said, repent, be baptised, every one of you. Now, why, why, why was it important for these people to be baptised? Baptism, back then, meant that you are leaving a lifestyle and going to follow another one. The Jews, they knew that. You see, if you weren't a Jew and someone decided, you know what, I like your God. I like the way he blesses you. I think your laws are good. I'd like to be a Jew. You know what they had to do? Be baptised. The Jews required that. So the Jew knew that once you, 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 you go through baptism, and they actually had a baptism of repentance, but if they knew that when, when this person went through baptism, they were saying, I'm leaving behind, I'm forsaking, I'm doing that no more, and I'm going to go this way. 
I'm going to follow after the God of Israel. So they knew. And Peter said to them, you know what, people of God? First of all, you have to repent. I, I reckon that if you ask anyone in the street who needs to be who needs to be repentant, who needs to repent, they'll say, oh, you know, the ungodly, the unchurch, the unbeliever, the sinner. And they'd be right. But that's about as much as they would say. That's as far as they would think. But here, the people of God were told to, what, repent and leave what they were, the way they were living before and follow another way. That's very important, it's very clear. And it would have shocked them to hear that. A Jew. Repentance, translated from the Greek word, and Chris touched on this, I have it written here, metanea, that's probably not, it's an Italian saying, a Greek word in English. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is what happens, all right? So anyway, that's the word, but the word it means, the Greek word means a genuine, a genuine change of heart and mind. From something to something else. That's what the Greek word means in the New Testament when you come across it. And it does mean a 180 degree turnaround. That's been mentioned this morning as well. And military. It's also used, the same, same word can be used in a military sense, about face. You know? About face? The other way. You're going one way, you're heading off the other way. That's what it means. And repentance is a true inward change, not a mere modification of a behaviour. Have you got that? It's very, very important to understand that repentance isn't just being sorry. Joel Selwood, captain of the Geelong Football Club, I love the way he plays football. I really do. I admire him. I beg for Essendon, by the way. I just thought I'd throw that in if you didn't know. But I admire his courage playing football. I don't know if you noticed last week he got caught speeding the Geelong Road. And it was really interesting what he said in the paper. He said, I, I did the wrong thing. I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have. I deserved the penalty and the consequences and all the rest of it. He was sorry. He was remorseful. And he said, oh, I'm a role model, I should have done that. And he was, he was really hard on himself. But was he repentant? I don't know. Because when he gets his licence back, he might speed again or might keep, keep on speeding. You see, that's the difference between sorry and remorseful and being repentant. If he never speeds again, then I would say he was repentant. Not, 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 not judging Joel Selwood. I'm just, it was just interesting that I was preparing this and I saw that, that story. Now, the birth of, of the church is what's being described here in, in the book of Acts. The theologians call, call this the church age. You and I are in the church age. And it's really interesting that in the birth of the church age, the very first sermon, we said that was, that's what it was last week, the very first thing that it has to be done is the people of God have to repent 
as individuals. It's really interesting. And next next week or whenever it is we look at chapter 3, you'll see in there that, that Peter gives us a very similar sermon again to the people of, 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 uh, of God, to the Israelites, and, and he says that the nation needs to repent as well. So we've got individuals needing to repent, and we've got the nation of God to repent, the chosen people of God. And if you wouldn't mind just turning to the book of Revelation with me, please. That's at the back of the Bible. Chapter 2. So in the book of Acts, we have the beginning of the church age. Here in Revelation, there's a record of the end of the church age. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19, written in red, I told you what that meant last week, the Lord said, to John, write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. It's a great summary of the book of Revelation. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what is later. And the now part of Revelation is chapters 2 and 3. And chapters 2 and 3 talk about seven churches seven churches. I'd like to read from verse 1 of chapter 2. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These are the words of him who hold the seven stars in the right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's established in chapter 1. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that uh, you have test, uh, sorry, uh, wicked, wicked men uh, that have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. What a great church. Wouldn't you love to be in that church? Wouldn't you love to be at the church of Ephesus? Sounds like a really good church. I mean, they were, they, they were busy they were tough. They were discerning. They endured hardships. They, they wouldn't put up with any false doctrine. Great church. Yet, verse 4, I have this thing against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And it goes on. Great church. They were doing everything right, more or less. But there was one thing that, that, that wasn't right. And so here we have an example of a church needing to repent. An individual, a nation, and a church. And it's really interesting too. Seven churches, five of them, the Lord examined and said, you know what? You need to repent. Five of the seven churches had to repent. 
It's sad when you think of Ephesus because 35 years earlier, the book of Ephesus that we have, the epistle of Ephesus that we have in the scriptures was written by Paul and, 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 and he, he commended them for what? For their love. And their love energised their faith. That's what drove their faith, the love for Christ. It marked them. Here they are. They have to repent. Why? They've left their first love. They have fallen from a great height. And, you know, it's interesting that the examination here of the people at Ephesus follows a very similar line that Peter took. What did Peter do? He made the people of God remember, forced them to remember what the prophets had written, what, what was written in the law, what God had given them to remind them, to, to, to see that the Messiah had come. He forced them to remember. And here the Lord does the same thing. Made them remember that their first love. And Jesus Christ calls the church of Ephesus, his church, calls them to do what? He didn't say, you know, you need to get a new hymn book, sing different hymns. He didn't say, you know, add, add, add a program, do Alpha. He didn't say things like that. What did he say? Repent. They had to do something. They had to go back to what they did at the start to their first love. And he emphasises that, doesn't he? He says that, and do the things you did at first. So the church, the Lord's people, needed to repent in Revelation. They needed to repent in Acts, at the start and at the end of the church age. And you know what? The church of Christ has to repeat, uh, repent in between as well. Our history of, of Christendom, not good. Time and time again we've gone astray, did the wrong thing, missed the mark. And we've needed to repent. And at Monty, here, this church, we need to repent to all of us, corporately. Now, oh, sorry. Around this time last year, I don't, re- I don't look, normally like talking about myself, especially from the platform, but this is a testimony, so it's okay. You can do that. But last year, around this time, I had to repent before the Lord. I'm telling you this now. I had to change my thinking. I had to change my attitude. I had to do a 180 degree turn. It's no secret, we all know, there have been troubles in Monty, in this church. We've paid a high price. I didn't like what was happening to my church. I didn't like it. I didn't like the changes that were happening 
in my church. I didn't like the way my church was running. In fact, I shared with some of the members of the leadership, didn't I? I was mad. I was mad at what was happening at my church. Mad. So I sat in my seat. I just sat. I came, I attended, but I sat. I grumbled. I grumbled. I guess I withdrew. I just attended, I just sat. I'm not proud of that. I'm ashamed, actually. But I was so mad. I was so mad that I was being forced to leave my church. You know, I live, I live a, a kilometre away from here. We moved into Montmorency, into Olympic Avenue because of this church. That's why we live where we live. And I was this close to being forced to leave this my church. Last February, our pastor left or, or stood down and it shocked us all. It really did. I mean, I was sitting there in my seat when it happened. I mean, I can remember Brendan and David standing here. Very vivid. Probably more vivid for me than most of you. Because it was that day, that Sunday morning, that I had an Acts 2 moment. The thing that we were looking at, uh, reading about this morning. Now, I'm not talking about hearing the sound of rushing wind. I didn't see any cloven tongues of fire anywhere. And I certainly didn't hear or participate in any speaking of tongues. It was more like a verse 37, Acts 2 moment. Here's what it says. And, 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 if, and if it could have been written down, what I experienced, if it, had, if it could have been written down and recorded, this is what it would have said. When Raph heard this, he was cut to the heart and said to the Lord, what shall I do? That was my Acts 2 moment, that February day. You see, the Lord did to me what's happened here in Acts and what happens in Revelation. He made me remember something. You know, I know a lot of stuff about Scripture. I'm not boasting. I do. I know a lot of stuff. But I had to be reminded. It had to be brought back to the forefront of my mind, this little fact. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Here's what it says. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You know, I don't believe in spiritual coincidences. You know, Matthew 16 there, it's the first reference ever of the church as we know it. In the New Testament, the Lord mentioned it for the first time. 
And he was talking about an event that was going to happen in the future, Pentecost, the birth of the New Testament church, his church. See, I do know a lot of stuff, don't I? And what cut me to the heart was those two words, my church, my church. You see, this isn't my church. It's not. It's the Lord's church. It's his church, not mine. And it will be his church until he comes or until he decides he doesn't want us here anymore. Shuts it down. You see, the Lord Jesus, he's the builder of the church. He's the builder. And the builder has ultimate responsibility of the church, of anything, the project, you know, the builder. You know, the builder, you know, Brett knows about this and I sort of know a bit about it. You know, you can be the builder and, you know, you might have skilled tradesmen working for you and you may have labourers working for you. But when things go wrong, Brett, who do they see? Who do they hassle? Not the tradies, the builder. Always the builder. The Lord is the builder. He's the head of the church. The Lord is the head of the church. He directs the affairs of the church. All the, all the information, all the actions should come from the head. The head it's the brain, isn't it? In our body, it's the brain that causes the body to function. He's the head of the church. And the Lord is the sustainer of the church. He causes it to grow and develop and, 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 and Witness and all those. He he does all this. It's his church, not my church. Not my church. Monty Community Church is not my church. It's not. I attend here. I love coming here to worship. I do. I love coming here to have fellowship with my fellow brothers and sisters. I mean, I just live up the road. I love this. Monty was my first experience of, of living in the district where you go and worship. We used to have to travel 35 minutes by car before we came to Monty to, to go to worship. We love, we love, Paul and I love living in Monty and coming here and having fellowship here. And, and I, have, I come here to Monty to learn from God's words. Men, great men have, and godly men have stood on this platform and the other one that was over there before. And, and taught me things from the word of God. I love it. Loved it. This is not my church. It's the church I attend. You know, Peter reminds me that I'm a living stone in the church. I'm part of it. It's not my church. The Apostle Paul reminds me that I'm part of the body of Christ. But it's not my church. It's not my body. I'm just a part of it. And the Lord himself in John 10 says, I'm part of his flock. I'm just a sheep of, in the flock. It's not my flock. So back to my verse 37 moment. What do I do, Lord? What do I do? The Lord didn't say, Ralph, you need to read the word more. Ralph, you need to, you know, put your name up for eldership. Repent. Raph, repent. That's what I have to do. 
I had to take responsibilities for my actions. Or, as the case was most of the time, my inaction. I could have done more, maybe. I don't know if it would have made any difference, but on reflection, I could have done more. I had to take responsibilities for my attitude, the way I was thinking. Not thinking right. I had to take responsibility for my words or, as the case actually was, my lack of words. I should have said things when they should have been said. I should have said more. I had to change. I had to change my attitude. I had to change my behaviour. I had to do a 180-degree turn. I had to do an about-face. I had to repent. That's the realisation I came to. Just like the people in Acts here, Acts chapter 2, when they heard, when they were brought face-to-face with the truth, they had to make a choice. What shall we do? I repented. That's why I'm here today. That's why I'm here today, speaking to you. If I hadn't repented, I'd be gone. I wouldn't be here. That's why when I was asked to go on to the working group, I said, yes, I would do it. I don't know what I was going to do on the working group, but I said, yes. When I came to Monty 18 years ago, my wife could testify to this. We came and our desire was to serve the Lord here and to serve his people. That's why we came. That's why we came, to serve his church here at Montmorency 18 years ago. So why repent? Why should we repent? Why should the church of God, why should Monty Community Church repent? The obvious thing is you don't want to be judged. Because if you don't repent, we've read that a few times already. It's not a good thing. But I don't want to focus on that. I don't want to tell you that all these bad things are going to happen. I want to give to you the, the highlight, the positive aspects of repentance. The blessings that God wants to bestow on a church that is repentant. Have a look at verse 39. Verse 39 of chapter 2 of the book of Acts says... The promise is for you and for your children who are all afar off. The Holy Spirit, God wanted to give these people, these people that were his, if they were to repent, he wanted to give them a gift, a blessing of the Holy Spirit. And the promise wasn't just to them, it was to anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, you and me. God wants to bless But he can't bless while we're disobedient. He can't bless while we're rebellious. He can't bless while I'm sitting in my seat, grumbling, thinking wrong. He can't bless. Now let's look at the evidence in Revelation and right throughout the Old Testament. God only blesses his people when they're in right relationship with him. The Old Testament... It very rarely talks about the unsaved being repentant. It's any time there's repentance, not every time, but most of the time when repentance is is being talked about, it's the people of God needed to repent towards God. 
And if they didn't, he couldn't bless them. In fact, judgment came. But when they did repent, he blessed them. Yeah, not rocket science. When we turn from going our own way to going his way, that's when the blessings flow. Have a look at verse 40 and 41. Check out this blessing. When they had repented and were baptised, what happened? 3,000 people were added to the church. They went from 120 to 3,120. Now, I'm not a numbers man, but that's, that's a blessing, isn't it? Hey? That's a blessing. Why did he bless them? Because they repented and were baptised. You know, the fact, the fact that God had said that they would miss the Messiah and all the rest of it, and that, or actually, they, they, that's not why they were blessed. They weren't blessed because they were cut to the heart. They weren't blessed because they asked a question, what shall we do? God only blessed when they repented and were baptised. Repent and God will bless. I want God to bless Montmorency Community Church. Do you? Mm, amen. I want to enjoy God's blessing. I know it's selfish, but I want to enjoy God's blessing at Montmorency. Do you? Yeah. But wait, there's more. There's got to be evidence of repentance, you know. And what was the evidence in verse 42? They devoted themselves. That's very important. I'm just going to go a little bit over time. I've only got a page to go. They gave, they, they, they devoted themselves. Remember, remember what we said, what the meaning of repentance was? It was a genuine thing, wasn't it? A genuine change. And so they devoted themselves in, chapter, in verse 42 to what? To the teaching of God's word, to the fellowship with one another, to the breaking of bread, to the praying together, and in verse 47, witnessing to the community in which they live. You know, they say that this is a pattern for, for the New Testament church, and it is. But it's far more than that. It's a barometer. It's an indicator. It's a standard by which we should measure. You see, it indicates the health of a church time for some home truth here. When we came to Monty 18 years ago, there was a morning and evening service. There were two services where you could come and the word of God was open and it was taught. Not just here at Monty, but in a lot of churches. It's only Sunday morning, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, that's all we get. Are you in a home group? When I came to Monty 18 years ago, I think there was six or seven home groups. There's not that many now. It's another opportunity that, that Monty Community Church has to teach the Word of God. Are we devoted? Fellowshipping with one another. That doesn't mean just having a quick coffee out the front in the foyer. doesn't mean just that. You know, 
How much time do you spend with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? This is, you know, I mean, I'm, this is for me too. You know, it's not just for you. We probably spend more time with our work colleagues than we do with our brothers and sisters. What do our work colleagues tell us? How much they influence us? School friends, uni students, neighbours. And just like, where's Pat? Just like your cousin. How much time do you spend on Facebook? What a time waster that is. I know, because I've wasted time on it. It is. Sucks up a lot of time. Wouldn't it be better to ring up a brother and sister and say, how are you going? Eh? The breaking of bread. I love Monty because we do it every week. My wife will tell you that I resisted leaving Monty because of that table. Not many churches break bread every week. Not many. Very few. Praying together. How often has Monty tried to get a a a well-attended functioning prayer group? And witnessing in the community, verse 47. We try, but we don't, we're not very good at it, are we? You see, it's just not a model. It's a measure. It's an indicator of our health. Verse 47, the Lord added to the church daily. Let me tell you, the Lord will not add anything to any church that's unhealthy. Why would you? Why would you? Would you send your child to an unhealthy school? No. Well, you know, you, you know. I hope, I hope that I have proven and, and by, by evidence that I have repented. Because, you know, there's a lot of you here that I've visited and spoken to and you're probably sick of hearing about Nehemiah. Because I, I, I just love and this is, what I, this is where the Lord directed me when, when, I, when I came to the realisation I'd done the wrong thing. I'd sinned against God. My attitude was poor. He directed me to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, God said to Nehemiah, you need to go back to Jerusalem and you need to rebuild the old walls. And that's what I've been sharing with everyone that, that would give me a, a hearing. You know, Nehemiah went back and they built, rebuilt the old walls with the old rubble that was lying about and everyone did their bit. And it wasn't until the old walls were rebuilt and the gates restored and the people of God were again worshipping God that they, they built new walls. Now there's a lesson in that. There's got to be a message in that. Otherwise, God wouldn't have recorded it. Brothers and sisters, we are the people of God. We are the Lord's people. And this is his church. Do we want his blessing? Then we need to repent. Do we want to be used of God in an effective way? Do we want to serve him and, 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 and make a difference to the people that live around about this church? Then we need to repent. Do we want to regain the joy of our salvation? I'm not talking about losing your salvation, but, you know, I think some of us have lost the joy. I spoke to a sister a while ago and she said, Raph, I've lost the joy of my salvation. And you know what? 
it resonated with me. I know what she means. Do we want to get that back? Then we need to repent. I don't want you to stand up in your seat or put your hand up. I don't want you to go to a little corner of a church and, and, and repent. Not that there's anything wrong with doing any of those things. But I want to do what Peter did here. Have a look at, uh, at verse, verse 40. Peter, this is about Peter, talking about Peter. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them. Pleaded with them. That's what I want to do with you this morning. I want to plead with you to get before the Lord. Hearing quietly in your seat, when you get home, during the week, it doesn't matter where it is. Just get before the Lord and repent. 180 degree turn. And then we will experience the blessing of the Lord just like they have. Just like any other group of people, the Lord's people, God's people, who repent and return to him. Thanks for listening. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you again for the opportunity to open your word. I think of a scripture in First Timothy that says that your word can bring comfort, can give joy, it's good for correction, and sometimes it needs to rebuke us. I pray, Father, that all of those things have happened this morning. Whoever has heard your word, Father, just like those people in, the, in Revelation, those who had ears to hear, I pray, Father, that we have had ears to hear, hearts that have been receptive to the message of your word, and that if we need to repent, if we need to change anything in our lives, our attitudes, our thoughts, our behaviours, whatever it might be, I pray that we would be like the people we've read this morning in, in the book of Acts, that they repented and did what they had to do and experienced and enjoyed the blessing of God. Father, I pray that you would guide us, help us to see where we're at, and help us to make the right choices. This we pray in the Saviour's name. Amen.